This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download Podcast. Uh, We've been taking some time off during this quarantine. Um, Been a couple of weeks, although... Uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of football news up until now, the draft. Uh, pretty much the only thing in sports going on, um, other than um, basically everybody realizing Michael Jordan was still the best um, and would probably kick LeBron's ass. Uh, just saying. Anyway. Let's just keep let's keep moving. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing the LeBron um, stick him on the wall behind you. Anyway, I am Tom Duncan. Nice little fathead. Uh, co-host, 2018 champ, Ethan Hamilton. All right. So uh, we're just going to kind of slowly go through all of our reaction uh, stuff. Uh, we're currently in day three of the uh, draft at the moment, and uh, we're just kind of live watching it. I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot that's um, you know going on that we're really going to care. They kind of just cycle through the picks and... Um, I, I very rarely watch day three. It's like what day two used to be of the draft. I'd watch day one and then I would basically quit because it's a bunch of guys that are just coming at you so fast and none of the names half the time are any guys that you've actually heard of. But, um, all right. So, um, probably the big one right off the top is easy. Uh, we had five quarterbacks total taken the first three rounds, four of them taken, um, in the first round and three in the top six picks. Um, Joe Burrow, who had the most ungodly season uh, probably ever, and still some of the throws he made against Oklahoma in the semifinal game are just picture perfect. I honestly don't know how you um, even think to throw some of those passes, Uh, but he goes to Cincinnati. Um, I'll get your reaction. I have a little bit different one against the grain. Um, I think he's a the direction that the Bengals need to look to go forward. I mean, he's the obvious decision. Um, he's 24 years old. That's the only knock really I have on him. And he only had really one productive year. But I, it, with the quarterback class as weak as it was uh, this year, I feel like it was a smart decision to go that way. Easy decision. So, like, I never fault anybody for taking a quarterback early when you have the opportunity. And um, apparently we're getting some interference from Port uh, Edwards Fire <laughs> what, Department. What did you do? Um, yeah, I, I uh, decided to get in trouble with the law again. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> Maybe they're coming to finally bust my neighbor on uh, how much um, grass he's consuming. Anyway, uh, outside of that, uh, now that we're back, um, like, Burrow has this one miraculous season. And I think he's a good kid. I'd like to see him do well. I just, I, I there's something about it that says or screams to me that he's going to be... Um, an Eli Manning type, a guy that's a decent starting quarterback, but he's never going to be a star. And with the way that uh, draft is trending right now, 
Um, you need a athletic, gifted star to really compete um, and do some things. Like I know the Niners got to the Super Bowl last year with Garoppolo, but um, like I, I'm I'm not high on San Francisco getting back to the Super Bowl just because it's so hard to keep that defensive level up year after year. And they lost a couple of guys on that defensive front. Now they did replace one in the early part of that draft, but. To me, it's just going to end up being where is Joe Burrow going to be a slightly better version of Andy Dalton? Like, honestly, um, I think there's one can't-miss prospect in the top five um, that was taken, and um, they passed on him. Like, Chase Young, to me, is possibly the best pass rusher to come out of the draft since Von Miller. I think he has immediate impact and basically... Um, puts guys on their ass, and he can be double-teamed, and he's still making plays. Um, watching some that guy just uh, punish people, um, to me, was... Uh, uh, he He's the guy that, honestly, Washington lucked out by having the second pick. Because they would have been expected to take the quarterback, even with um, what they did last year in taking... Um, oh, who's the Ohio State kid they, they were starting by the end of the year? Haskins. Um, yeah, Haskins. I and the fact that Dan Snyder still like wants him to be the project, you know, fine. But I think they would have been almost required to take Burrow had they had the number one pick. Instead, they get lucky and they get the number two on the guy that, um, you know, I, I think he's going to have an immediate impact. Um, so as far as the other quarterbacks, to me, Justin Herbert is like okay, this is uh, the range we have to take a quarterback, and he's one of the better ones. Like, do I even think he's the sixth best prospect in this draft? No. Um, I'm personally not high on him, but because of how positions are taken in the first round, I get it. Um, the Chargers need somebody that's capable. Um, he might be okay. The, the bigger question mark, and I like how the Dolphins have surrounded that pick, um, because they had five picks in the first two rounds. Um, they've really built the infrastructure both on the defensive and offensive lines. But um, Tua going to Miami, and he's probably not even going to have to start right away, um, which due to his health is part of the question mark, is how he's going to hold up, because he had some significant injuries the last couple of years when he had to actually start being the every-down starter. So I think he's the most talented of all of the quarterbacks in there. Um, but I, none of these guys are guys that I'm really, nope, I'm not, let's just say this. I'm not looking at taking really any of these quarterbacks anytime soon in any of my dynasty drafts. Um, but that we've talked about this before. I'm not as high in quarterbacks as everyone else is. I'm one of those take a quarterback late, play a quarterback as a flyer, um, Joe, Joe Burrow, if he's still around, maybe for my pick that I have in the second round, I'll take him. I'm not taking him with my second pick or with my second overall pick. And I'm not taking him with my ninth overall pick either. Like I, he's just not even on my radar for those. Well, I mean, like having a good quarterback is essential in our league, um, with the way I've structured the point system. And I would have really considered taking Kyler Murray in like the third round, he didn't last beyond the second last year. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, but th that's a difference of his floor was going to be higher because of all of his rushing attributes. 
So I thought he was going to be comparable to uh, how Deshaun Watson came into the league. Uh, None of these quarterbacks scream that to me. And like, I could reasonably make an argument where you take a late flyer on Burrow as a stash candidate instead of like drafting a kicker or something and just um, sit on a guy until like right before the season starts and you need to actually use the position. But outside of that, um, like two is going to probably be a backup and you can wait on him. Um, Herbert might be the starter, but I think it's more likely that Tyrod Taylor starts there right away. And so you can wait on him. And obviously the other two quarterbacks um, with Jalen Hurts going to Philly, I mean, he's not going to be the starter. Let's just face that. That one's an insurance pick. Um, And Jordan Love is not going to be the quarterback in Green Bay until maybe they have a fifth-year option on him. Like, Rodgers is 36. He said he's going to try and play till he's 40 and maybe beyond that, depending on how he feels. So, like... And you're not benching Aaron Rodgers before his contract runs out in four years. So, like, no. that, that, that's just not happening. So, outside of that, you know, and barring some major injuries, I, I don't see it with this draft class. Now, we can easily transition. This is the deepest wide receiver class I can remember in a while. And we had some, like, really good ones uh, a few years ago. The whole Mike Evans... Um, I'm trying to remember who else was in that draft class. Like Corey that, that, Davis. Okay. <laughs> was that um, Mike Williams was in that class? and like, Mike Williams, Corey Davis. Yeah, I was um, deciding my big um, draft decision there was deciding between Mike Williams and Corey Davis, and I took Corey Davis. Like, that was a deep class, but also it was top-heavy. This one, yeah. I didn't feel great about the top-end wide receivers, depending on where they went. And I know you were higher on a couple of them than I was, and this will probably come out in some of our discussions the last couple of nights. But um, I actually feel better about some of the guys that went in round two than most of the guys that went in round one, to be quite honest. Uh, And, you know, it's just positional fit and where they're going to have opportunity. Um, You know, opportunity and volume speak volumes as to how things are going to go, lest we forget... um, and God, I am been I'm terrible with names today, but um, starting or the number one wideout for Washington last year, the rookie out of Ohio State, McLaren, McLaren, yeah. McLaurin. Yeah. Anyway, McLaurin. but like, yeah, but that's a situation where like he's a third round pick. He's av- obviously got talent and he comes in and they needed him to be the number one guy. It's the similar to like Michael Thomas was talented coming out of Ohio State. He was a second round pick and you're pairing him with Drew Brees in a high potent offense where they needed a number one guy like because they had just traded Brandon Cooks. So like, you know, even some of these situations that if you pair it with the better quarterback, I think they're in better positions than like. Henry Ruggs, where we don't know who's the starting quarterback by the end of the season, Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, or uh, Jerry Judy going to an unproven um, Drew Locke situation in Denver, uh, and then being paid or paired again with uh, KJ Hamler, where both of those guys are going to be sitting third fiddle to both Noah Fant and um, Cortland Sutton. I mean, the other thing is, is they still had a third or a third target, um, the former Penn State kid there that I can't remember his name either right offhand. Um, and I know it sounds like I'm really not prepping at the moment, but 
You're um, talking about who the Broncos took? Uh, KJ Hamler. No, 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 no. They already had a guy from a few years ago from Penn State. Oh. That was already on the roster. Like they drafted him in the third round after they took Sutton in the second. This was probably about two or three years ago. So I I just can't remember his name at the moment. But um, no. so like, eh, like I know you love Michael Pittman Jr. Um, it's tough to see where he fits in. I like the overall fit, and I love what Indianapolis did. Like. Um, Indianapolis is in the top five of best drafts going right now. Um, currently I think maybe Baltimore has the best draft, um, class just coming in. I love what Baltimore has been doing. Um, but, um, like Indianapolis taking and uh, a player we'll get later to and, uh, going up and, uh, getting, uh, their running back really to supplement Mac. Uh, I think that's a larger conversation we can have. Um, the question is going to be um, where Pittman fits in in the overall scheme concept because Indianapolis already had um, Hilton is going to be their number one, and he's actually increased his overall target share and volume uh, receptions over the years. Um, but then Paris Campbell was a second-round pick for them last year. Uh, I don't think he just goes away. And... Um, Oh, who was, they had a third guy who after Campbell got hurt and Hilton was out, uh, kind of became their primary guy, uh, who I think, you know, still fits in the rotation. So Indianapolis has quite a few receivers, um, where it's lost. Um, I know that the one we're going to argue the most over is probably CD lamb though. Um, let's talk about Michael Pittman and why I think he'll fit in. He's a big body wide receiver, which is what the uh, Colts don't have right now. T.Y. Hilton is kind of a short, speedy guy, and Paris Campbell, you know, is going to play predominantly slot. 6'4", runs a 4'5", was up there in contested catches. Um, He's just a big body guy. Um, He's a really good one blocker as well, which will help him um, stay on the field. Um, He's just a smart dude, can run every route in the place. And I just think because you have a young wide receiver – um, T.Y. Hilton's not getting any younger. Their quarterback is obviously not getting any younger. Now you bring in another quarterback, and then you have these two young guys to grow with. For sure, I want Michael Pittman over um, Paris Campbell for the years to come. I just think he's going to come out um, as their franchise wide receiver, and he's going to be there for a while and do really good things. You well, can't. Argue, I mean, if you're six four and you run a four five, that's crazy. Like, I, I don't argue with the talent. It's where the opportunity is going to come from. So a guy that is now in his second year at wide receiver is much more, has better potential just because of the amount of rookie wide receivers and the, the difference it takes sometimes uh, to grow into a scheme. And so I never look at these guys as producing year one by comparison to year two. So then the question becomes, you know, if you're going to be third, fourth on the team in targets, you know, where is your uh, potential going to come from? I think it's very possible, despite the talent, that Michael Pittman ends up not producing until year three. But that would make him comparable to somebody like Devontae Adams. Like, you you think to about most it. most of the wide receivers in the league, though. I mean, there's not very many wide receivers, not very many that come in as a rookie and put up huge numbers. Like Chris Godwin, for example. 
I feel like a lot of people, especially me, if I didn't have my wide receiver depth, I would have got rid of him after year one and just not kept him. But I knew the potential was there, and I knew that the the productivity was going to come as well. And I think, I personally think, Michael Pittman is going to be another one of those guys that'll be, yes, like a Devontae Adams, like a Chris Godwin, where maybe he's not going to give you exactly what you need on year one, which is what a lot of these running backs we're going to get into that are in committees. They weren't going to give you a lot on year one and year two. But this year's coming down the line. This is a wide receiver that I feel like I want. So, but I think this is also part of a larger discussion, which we're just kind of touching the surface on, where like long-term value is more, and we've kind of generally discussed it in the wide receivers, because you're going to have a receiver for 10 years, possibly, if he's at least good Mm -hmm. or has some talent level. Whereas I think the running back discussion, yes, you and I have discussed the way that the uh, league is structured, running backs are the most uh, point value heavy, but they also have the shortest shelf life. And if you have a situation like Indianapolis where they're already um, drafting their replacement to the guy that's still going to be their starter just so they don't have to give another contract. I mean, Green Bay possibly did that last night. I think they're different players, uh, A.J. Dillon versus Aaron Jones. But if you're saying that you're never going to pay a guy on his second contract and you're just going to draft his replacement, that means running backs have three years to be productive. So that means you have to hit on them right away, and that means also that you're going to have to take them early in the rookie drafts, but you can wait on the wide receivers, and you might have to wait two or three years to see how they pan out, which... You know, it's going to take a lot more patience than whether a back has productivity. Wide receivers, you have to have patience. Yeah, I mean that. Wide receivers, you have to have patience. And no tight ends pan out in the first year either. So, like every position outside of running back, running back, you could probably um, add and drop really quickly. But like the the difference in wide receivers uh, um, and what they might be able to do. I look no further than DJ Shark and McLaurin last year just because they had to be the number one guys in their system. Like the guy that I actually think might produce as the best rookie wide receiver is going to be Denzel Mims because he's only competing with Jamison Crowder in that jet system and they love to throw the ball. Like I don't care what you think about Sam Darnold and I'm not don't like, like him. He's not a top 15 guy for me right now, but that system throws the ball a lot and he's going to get catches just by a volume of targets. You see, uh, this is where, I mean, now we're nitpicking. I mean, you think that that the number one receiver in the draft um, for Dynasty last night was Mims. I'd probably have him in safely top four, maybe top three. But my number one wide receiver right now is Jalen Rhaegar. I love his landing spot. Because... You got Alshon Jeffrey that could possibly be getting cut before the start of the season. Deshaun Jackson can never stay on the field. And even if those two still are on the field, I like Rhaegar more than both of them. Alshon Jeffrey will get you a lot of big plays over the top, but I feel like this guy can work all over the field. He ran a 4.47 at the combine, but on his pro day, he ran a 4.29. This kid, and his tape, it shows that he's faster than a 4.4. This kid well, is crazy. Like, he has a lot of versatility, and I like him kind of coming in and playing that old um, slot position that, oh, I'm trying to remember. Who was the kid out of USC they had, like, two years ago that uh, you had? Um, 
Gosh. Not, I think you made me contagious now, and now I'm forgetting names. Yeah, I know. This is this is really sad. <laughs> but anyway, like when they made their Super Bowl run a couple of years ago, um, they had uh, their... Was it Aguilar? Run. Yeah, Nelson yeah. Aguilar. Yep. Anyway, um, but they had him playing out of the slot primarily, and I like Rhaegar to possibly do that. I don't think he's an outside guy. I do worry about his health um, compared to, to some of the other guys. I do like the opportunity. That being said, I don't think Mims is the top fantasy wide receiver pick. I just think he may be the most productive rookie. Like, there's a difference for that. Okay. Like, long term, uh, there are guys in better situations that I like more. Like, personally, um, did the Cowboys give Cooper a multi-year deal or did they franchise him? No, I they forget. franchised uh, Dak. Right. They gave Amari a deal. And I, hold on, I'll look. And it up. that th- that's a weird situation for me, where like I I think they're it's rare that you get a system where they're going to produce three fantasy relevant wide receivers like the Rams were doing it a couple of years ago, and I think in a good offense two is highly productive. Um, but like Gallup was producing some heavy stats at the end of last season, like. He was a top 15 wide receiver the last, like, five weeks of the season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't think coming in, Lamb's going to have the value. Long term, Mm -hmm. he's too talented not to be. But, like, if they gave Cooper maybe a two- or three-year deal. Five-year deal, 100 mil. So then, I God, I just, I don't know if Lamb, unless they let Gallup walk, which wouldn't make sense either, but, like, is he going to be able to get enough target share? Like, they're going to end up throwing the ball a lot. And I know they threw a lot more than they did previous years under Kellen Moore's system. And Kellen Moore was um, uber-talented as a um, uh, coach. He's the son of a coach. Um, He still, I think, might be the most or have the most wins by any starting quarterback in college uh, history. But, like... He's he's going to figure out ways to get C.D. Lamb the ball just because he's a guy that is a game-breaker in space, um, which a lot of those Oklahoma guys have been. I just I wonder what his overall target share is going to be compared to some of these other guys. I mean, target share is, is huge when it comes to wide receivers. Um, so, like, I think Justin Jefferson has a better target share for the first two years than lamb is going to have at Dallas just because they traded digs. And even though, uh, Minnesota's run heavy, like the opportunity is going to end up being there. I don't think I, I'm not particularly high on Jefferson. I just think the opportunity is greater. I don't like Justin Jefferson, uh, the landing spot. I like him as a prospect. I don't like the landing spot because, um, is not very often, very, very limited, actually, where the Vikings were running two wide receivers successfully in a game. Like, it, it was either Diggs, it was either Diggs Day or it was Thielen's Day. And for me, the inconsistency of that would just frustrate the hell out of me. Uh, you'd have to figure out, like, the pattern on, okay, today is Thielen, okay, today is Diggs. Or, and they still, yeah, they're one of the they they're one of the teams that run the ball, pound the ball consistently. So I don't like his landing spot for those reasons. I actually hate like, his landing spot. <laughs> like, 
I mean, there are some guys that I definitely downgrade based on drafts, and we could almost go through individual teams um, as to how it shapes out. Maybe that's even more consistency. But um, I, I just I look through some of the crop of some of these guys. Like uh, Oakland took three receivers over the last two days, and I have no idea what they're doing. I, if they're just throwing shit at the wall and hoping one of its one of them sticks, Mike or... Mayock said last night that Bowden Jr. would be um, listed as a running back. Okay, he is versatile as hell. Oh I yeah, mean, you saw you know because he played quarterback and whatever while he was at Kentucky too, and um, I feel like for him, all you need to do is put a ball in his hand and just watch him go. But the frustrating thing that would be just super frustrating in in fantasy because you never know, like, is it going to be his week this week? You know, it's almost like a Shane Vereen type of person with with the Patriots. Like when he's when he has a productive game, he was super productive. But then there were games where you just never saw him and he was a hard person to try to start. Like, honestly, the the guy I I don't mind Rager with for you, but um. I also think that uh, we may be undervaluing somebody that's kind of gone unnoticed. And it's simply because there are a lot of targets in San Francisco to potentially have. And like Ayuk, huh? I just like his opportunity. I, I think he's a good player, and I don't I question his health. But I just, you know, how many receivers are there really there? You have Kittle getting targets, and you have maybe use check with a few, but like Debo Samuel is your only guy outside because they lost Emmanuel Sanders. So, uh, although based on last year, I would have said Nikhil Harry had a lot of opportunity going forward too. And I think he's a guy that like, if somebody doesn't keep him um, as a potential project, like that's, that's one I look to potentially stash away because mm-hmm. I think he played really great in that last third of the season um, and like, he's going to be a guy that the Patriots are going to try and build around, but it's, it's always those second year guys. Um, I drafted George Kittle in the first round going into his second year. You know, um, I gave up on Devonte Adams after his second year, he turned out in his third, you know, it, and that's, those are things because he was hurt. Like I thought he, you know, and that was my guy. Cause I had him in college fantasy going back to his senior year with Derek Carr so yes I made a mistake but I've made many mistakes you just own um, them Ayuk is uh, I'm not as huge on Ayuk um, landing spot um, just because of the type of the offense that they run um, it's hard to pinpoint like who's going to be like I said like who's going to be the guy this week if you look at my team like I kind of build my team around people that own their position like no one else is gonna take snaps away from them. Um, they're the clear cut number one or right. high volume number two. Um, and even my running backs, like I don't really have any running backs by running backs that are in a committee, um, which was tough uh, f- watching some of these running backs go to certain places, knowing they're gonna be in a committee for a couple of years. Um, well, but, that's that might sort itself out. We thought Kareem Hunt a couple of years ago was coming in as a committee, and somebody got hurt in the preseason. I think it was Spencer Ware, and he all of a sudden emerged, and he was like a top-five fantasy back that year. So, you know, some of those situations end up playing themselves out. I'll just say that. I know we were talking about 
Henry Ruggs. Um, I, I don't enjoy that spot for him. I feel like he could have used a different quarterback. I just don't think Derek Carr is going to be able to bring out everything that that kid has to offer. And that's exactly it. I couldn't agree with you more there. Like everybody's, oh, he's the next Tyreek Hill and mm-hmm. all of this other stuff. But the reason Tyreek Hill is as good as he is is because uh, Mahomes has possibly the best arm in the freaking Yeah, yeah. Like he has throw it out of the stadium power, right? Literally, like and you can't out, you can't, you can't. Um, what am I trying to say? You can't out uh, throw Tyreek. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's so, not possible to do. But you can so, underthrow Henry Ruggs all day long with Derek Carr. Well, exactly. And that's the thing. Like, I don't think Derek Carr nor Marcus Mariota has enough arm to really take advantage of his skill set. Um, they I can think... move him around and do some things, but I don't believe enough in the the whole Raiders system in order to make sense of that. Now, like that being said, Tyrell Williams, when he was like there and he was uh, available, was actually productive as like a top twenty-five wide receiver. Like he was a granted uh, wide receiver two on a given week if he was healthy. Like they they have to have production. So whichever guy emerges as the number one in that system is going to be valuable. It's just with three wide receivers there, you still have Hunter Renfro and you've still got Tyrell Williams. Like who's going to be the guy? I, I just yeah, I, I no mean, idea. and you can't you can't play rugs like consistently underneath either. He's not big enough. He's 5'11", 188. Like he's just he's not big enough to be able to survive under there all all game long all year long, so yeah. I, I just I hope like he doesn't go the way spot. of John Ross. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of my thought process. Like a Deshaun Jackson, like a John Ross. I know Deshaun Jackson is still mildly productive in the league, but he was never a huge fantasy guy priority for me i don't think i've ever had him on any of my teams in life but i had two really good years his rookie year um when he came in and they really figured out he just, yeah he just ran by everybody yeah and that first year with um uh when they brought in chip kelly and like he had a renaissance um because everybody was coming into the box to stop the run in Lashawn mccoy and then they could just top or take the top off with him like those offenses, if you remember right, Ted Ginn's most productive year was the year the Panthers went to the Super Bowl because Cam was basically running read option, so everybody was sucked up into the box and they needed just one guy to take the top off. Well, unless you're running that system with Marcus Mariota, like I don't, I don't see the same dynamic. I could be wrong, but um, like he's I, just I not just, high for me. Yeah, it, it's it's a project one, and like all of these receivers. Um, save for one or two are round two picks for me that you're going to have to wait on. Like they're stash and uh, hope type of situations outside of, you might get production out of somebody like Mims just due to the situation or Rager, uh, maybe Eric. Um, the, one of the guys Jerry that I Judy. like, go ahead. Well, and uh, no, go ahead. If you have uh, something on Judy, well, I just Jer- wanted to get one in before we moved on to running backs. So. Yeah, Jerry, Judy, I mean, by far the, well, maybe not by far, but he is the best route runner in, in this draft for sure. Um, I'm just yeah. not sold on Drew Locke, but the Broncos are throwing everything at him. Like, all right, we got oh, yeah. a bunch of new toys. Like it's on you now. So they've got, <sighs> they've got Sutton who is 
um, you know, talent-wise, a top 15 guy. Fant, who was the second best tight end in the draft last year, might be the best receiving tight end. They went and they got Melvin Gordon to supplement that, and then they drafted two wide receivers for him in the first few rounds. So, like, they're putting every uh, available opportunity, and I do like the fact that they went and they drafted an offensive lineman to really supplement that. I think the AFC West could be in for a lot of shootouts next year. Like, the Chargers have a decent offense, um, the Raiders are drafting offense, Denver's drafting offense, and then the Chiefs. Like, those games could be some of the most fun games in the league on, like, a random Sunday afternoon. Yeah, trying to keep up with the Chiefs. And I'm sorry, then the last one that I have, Van Jefferson, I like his landing spot a lot um, with the Rams. I feel like he, um, as good of a, as a route runner as he is, still 6'1", 200 pounds, um, didn't really do anything at the combine. I think he was hurt or something like that. Um, See, I like him as a prospect due to his lineage. I always love um, got, uh, parents who were athletes type of situation. And his dad him- is still a coach wide receiver coach in the league and i remember sean jefferson from um the packers playing him in the super bowl in 96 or i guess january 97 but anyway um so like i like him as a prospect my problem is is are the rams going back to the 11 personnel looks that they were exclusive on two years ago or are they gonna go more two tight end sets that they were ending the year with last year and even though they traded brandon cooks they still have josh reynolds who they really like you know, uh, Cooper Cup was being used less, but could be more into the mix again with Cooks uh, leaving. Um, Robert Woods is still there and highly productive. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just don't see where the opportunity is there for him right away. He's, He's just one, one of those, of those guys that, that I think you can hold on to for a couple of years. And you know, once Robert Brooks is all their stuff is run their course, I mean, I feel like he'd step in and take over real nice. Like, you're hoping that he ends up being uh, or panning out in a highly productive system. That's your hope. Um, For me, a guy who I like the offense that they're in and how they structure their offense and I think would have better opportunity is a guy that went after him, actually. Um, Devin Duvernay, like, going to Baltimore. Like, the, the situation is very similar to what I was just talking about with um, Carolina and uh, when um, Chip Kelly was running those like read option offenses, like they're running a lot of read option with Lamar Jackson, and then they're trying to do quick, easy, um, deep throws. So another guy that could take the top off in Duvernay, um, in addition to Mark or Hollywood Brown, or that middling tight end, uh, makes sense for them and how they're running their system. Uh, they loaded up at running back at an extra wide receiver. And they took a couple of other spots that I really liked uh, on defense. But um, I, I think he potentially could be the third high target share guy. Now, again, Lamar Jackson's value was not in his passing. Like, that was supplemental to a lot of his running value. Mm-hmm. But even being the third main target for an MVP quarterback could make you potentially valuable. I don't see him as high as some of the other guys on this list. Um, but I think it's a guy that could have, you know, decent PPR value. I agree with that. hundred percent. So let's um, get into these running backs. Yeah. So I'll let you kind of take on that first. Um, anybody that really sticks out to you. I love the cam acres to the Rams. 
I think that's a beautiful spot for him. I really don't think Henderson is going to do all that much to take the spot away from him. Um, he played with an awful offensive line every year. He played at Florida State, and I think we're going to actually see um, what type of amazing athlete the kid actually is. Good hands, fast, um, has very good vision. You watch some of his tape in, high, or in college, though. He bumps a lot of stuff to the outside, but I think that has a lot to do with as bad of an offensive line that he had. Um, but I, I like, I love the landing spot with the Rams. All right. Um, there are several people on this list that I'm absolutely salivating over, like literally mouth watering, holding a tray underneath my chin, um, trying to catch all of the drizzle so it doesn't get on everything. (laughs) Um, like I, I, I couldn't tell you how, so, all right. Are we doing this more for short-term or long-term value? Just dynasty value in general. Okay. Average so two, that, that's, that's kind of in between, but even so. So I love Akers going there. Um, he, to me, is uh, Delvin Cook 2.0. In a highly productive zone concept scheme where running backs are going to go to thrive. He has receiving value. He has um, one-cut ability. He is going to a situation where he could play himself into the starting role midseason and be highly productive. So if you're looking for the short-term answer, I don't know if that, that's it immediately your guy, because I think he will be in a time split at least for year one, but by year two could be a top 10 back. You think with Henderson he's going to be splitting time? I think between Henderson, Malcolm Brown, and that, they're going to really rotate the carries at least initially, just because I think the the biggest problem with backs coming in is pass protection. So I don't know how he's going to be necessarily uh, immediately because the Rams are going to throw the ball. And that was like where Todd Gurley excelled so he could be uh, immediately on the field was he was a very good uh, pass protector immediately. So that that's part of the pickup sometimes with some of these running backs. If you're literally just turning around and handing him the ball, he's fine. Like, just about every one of these guys. I um, think I read a couple um, things that he actually is an above-average pass protector. And that could be. I I, I think, no, it, I have sorry, no I idea. It. I found it. It's for his size. He's an above-average pass protector. Okay. So I, they've still got to work on it. But, yeah, he's 5'10", 217. So. Like, I don't think he's getting 20 carries a game for the first eight weeks, probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, but I he think, could be a I highly think... productive and efficient player for the amount of touches that he's getting. And I think by year two, we're talking about him as as a uh, really upside pick going forward. So, like, if you're looking at short-term value and you need help for next season, you might look in a different direction. It, it makes an interesting choice. Um that that's why so like if you're going for immediate fantasy value you're looking at Clyde Edwards Elaire that's Just, your guy like i loved him coming in i told mm-hmm. literally everybody ben <laughs> was texting me about it my dad was texting me about it i've got uh uh tom riker my uncle li- literally everybody texting me about this kid and the fact that it, where he went but um so, like, I think he has the better short-term value, but there are guys that are going to surpass him in, in year two as to what their overall value are going to be. 
So if you're looking short term, he's a great PPR guy. I don't think he's going to be the starter and taking a huge amount of carries, but he is a great like dump off, let him slip through. Um, you know, he could be the next Brian Westbrook. Like I, that's who the comparable is in that Andy Reid system. That being said, like I love um, Jonathan Taylor behind what is possibly the best offensive line in football. And I, I do too, and that pains me to say. <laughs> I absolutely love J.K. Dobbins going to Baltimore. Like Mark Ingram was uh, a good, productive back when he was not catching the ball in that zone read offense last year, and he had over a thousand yards. His old ass had over a thousand yards. J.K. Dobbins is like one of the most efficient running backs in the league. Didn't have a ton of carries at Ohio State. And you know that he is going to excel with uh, Lamar Jackson. Like, he is lightning in a bottle waiting to happen. And his receiving skills, his home run ability, I just watched him too many times at Ohio State take a three-yard play on a swing pass and uh, turn it into 30. And you watched him do that during uh, the uh, semifinal game against Clemson. Like, he was the best player on the field. Um, And... I just, honestly, I, I would have a hard time passing on him to take some of these other guys. Like, Akers, I could see it. I'm just, boy, I, I, I am absolutely in love with Dobbins if Jackson can stay healthy. So, that's surprising. That's surprising. Because every, all reports okay, out why? of, that all reports out of, what's the, what's your name, team name? Tom Terrific? Mm-hmm. All the reports out of Tom Terrific were that you were head over heroes for Clyde, and I guess I didn't realize that because late last night you uh, you changed your mind with the Dobbins pick. I told you that. I said he is potentially the number one guy I would target. Like, I'd love to have them both, but I think <sighs> Dobbins potentially has better long-term value than Edwards even. I think um, I agree with that. Um, I was, I was never high on Clyde Edwards. I really wasn't, um, watching his tape. Um, he's got quick, amazing feet. He's got amazing feet, but, um, he ran a four, six at the, at the combine and there's just so much other talent, I guess on LSU. Maybe it's just, he never super stuck out to me. You watch Ohio state and yeah, Dobbins is Dobbins is the guy you look at. Um, yes, go ahead. No, there's just been some different breaking pieces that we should just react to. So first off, this is live uh, during the podcast. This is weird for us, but Trent Williams is traded to the Niners. Whoa. For a third to fifth round pick. And Joe Staley is expected to retire. So uh, due to health concerns. So I think that's an aggressive thing. Honestly, San Francisco, I I didn't think John Lynch would be this good as a GM he is making the rest of the league kind of look foolish at times. Um, And the other one and the big prospect, and you and I have been talking about it, but Jacob Eason being selected by the Colts. So that's their quarterback project as their third round guy. Um, You know, and I like, you know, Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles under Peterson. He is uh, going back to the Andy Reid type systems. And frankly, Reed's got uh, disciples all over the place in the league right now. 
other than uh, Shanahan, those are the two best offensive minds in the league at the moment. So it's no it's no shock that both of them were in the Super Bowl really last year uh, because they can basically turn diamonds from anything. But um, I, I do like them taking a project quarterback um, and hoping that it turns out. Like, I don't think that uh, there have not been a long history of um, guys beyond the first round as uh, long-term starters. But if you get uh, the talent is there for Eason, if you can uh, get him some work and really put him behind Rivers or Brissett for two seasons and let him work, you know, maybe you turn something around where um, the Colts are, and I've said this before, I think the Colts might have the best roster outside of quarterback. Like, top to bottom. Like, I think they're, they have one of the better um, talented defenses. I don't. I think they underperform a little bit on defense. They have one of the best offensive lines. They have talent at running back, at tight end, at wide receiver, and droves. Um, they could be, if they got a decent quarterback, um, like a really scary team. But, you know, obviously with Andrew Luck retiring, that has made things difficult, not really their fault but um you know uh, trent williams is the the bigger surprise like i was waiting for somebody to finally do that and it only took in a third and a fifth round pick in order to get him like god i would have why the hell are it wasn't green bay really trying to put that one together i i just that's a completely different (laughs) i know i know that's my homerism but I mean, you would have had uh, to pay him, and Green Bay doesn't have the cap space, but still. No, no. Um, another so, a, a surprise ahead. for me, um, DeAndre Swift in Detroit. Um, my initial reaction was I didn't really like his landing spot, and he was my number one um, running back on the board. And I think that, for me, drops him outside of the top three, maybe number four or number five in my eyes now, which is a little annoying. I just, the Lions just don't do it at the running back spot. I really thought on Johnson, when he was drafted, I was like, oh man, Lions got themselves a pretty decent little running back. And then who was the other kid that they got a couple years back from um, oh. Nebraska? You know oh yeah, Amir Abdullah. Yeah. And I thought he was going to be a solid back too. And so, so I think there was a difference in systems. And I think the last two years, they've really tried to focus on getting carry on Johnson, the ball. Um, And he's been productive when he's on the field. Part of his problem though, was, is he was not a goal line back. Swift is. And I do think Swift is going to get a lot of volume in Detroit because Matt Patricia wants to run the football. So, like, I actually am a little bit higher on him because I think they're going to basically do away with the Kerryon Johnson era. Like, I think Swift is going to end up being the number one back coming in. Um, Kerryon might end up getting a split amount of carries, but Swift will end up getting the goal line work, which is where he's going to end up being valuable. He's going to be flex running back two territory right off the bat for me. So, I, but here's my problem. You were much higher. I don't think Swift is a great running back. Like, I I don't understand all of the people that graded him so highly. Like, his talent was there coming into college and all of the rest of it in space. But I watched that guy run straight into the line and fall down for two seasons at Georgia. Like, there are Georgia offensive linemen that are going 
uh, Georgia offensive lineman went at number four, and Swift was terrible. Like, he should have been getting Jonathan Taylor-level numbers with the guys he had in front of him and how many carries they were giving him on a honest game. Like, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle didn't have a problem, but this guy, uh, I just don't get it. Like, I had him on my fantasy team. Maybe that's where this bias is coming because I was just waiting for him to pop off some games, and he never produced. Like, this guy is going to break everybody's heart other than he is going to have a high-volume amount of carries here by the end of the season. That's what I'm going to say. Like, I like the volume. I don't like the player. Man, that's crazy. I I love DeAndre Swift. Super smooth when he's running the ball. Um, awesome uh, uh, hands. He's a great receiving back. Um, he's a little sh- small, in my opinion. Um but dude, just he keeps trucking. I I I think he's got um, tremendous uh, um, strength, especially at the goal line for being as tiny as he is. I think he's got great vision. I really do. I don't I I don't know where you're coming at with the running into the line and everything like that. Um, I don't think he got as much work because of all the talent that was down there at Georgia. Um, so I mean touches and stuff weren't as much as he would get like say out of Wisconsin or something like that. But I don't know. I love the kid. I think he was supposed to be coming in as the number one, like we're going to give this guy 15 to 20 touches a game, uh, two years ago. And he ended up playing almost third fiddle in the amount of carries he got because he just was not productive last year. He was better, but I, there are much better backs that I like that were taken in, in the, uh, second round. Um, like, I don't think uh, Edwards Hilaire's uh, value to me and why I loved him as much as I did was PPR value. Because I saw him being uh, or possibly getting a huge amount of targets and being a valuable third down back. He's a great pass protector. Um, he was shifty. He was a guy that was going to take a lot of dump offs and turn some yardage in. Like, he's a better version of Tariq Cohen. Like, a much better version of how, like, the Bears used Tariq Cohen. But, like, Dobbins, um, Taylor, to me, uh, had better vision. And, honestly, like, I don't think Swift is a bad talent, per se. Like, he's got some. I just, I, I don't see the vision. I just don't. And to me, when it's running backs, like, give me Kayshawn Vaughn out of Tampa Bay, before you give me DeAndre Swift, um, well, that's that's stupid. I I I'm I'm withdrawing that comment. That's that's just dumb. <laughs> um, but like, let's go into. Sorry. No, go ahead. It's gonna complete change of subject. So if you got something on this, keep on going. No. Uh, well. I, I already had to withdraw, and I was getting way ahead of myself, but I, I think some of this is saved for our rankings. Again, I, I like the opportunity and the volume. I just I don't I, I, I don't like the player. But whatever. Well, let's, let me go to a player that I loved a lot too, but I, I hate the landing spot, is okay. the Buffalo Bills selection in the third round of Zach Moss. I read a stat that was in crazy to me and let me read it off it was by pro football focus um pro football focus put on an article stating that 
the metrics below were the most important when projecting running backs going from college to the NFL. Rushing okay. grade, missed, missed tackles per attempt, yards after contact per attempt, receiving grade, yards, and route run. And they went back and then they checked all the running backs from the last two classes. And the person, you want to have a low score. This is just where they're ranked. So they ranked um, one out of 53 for each metric based on their college stats. And then they averaged them out. Zach Moss had a 2.5 in average rank in each category. The next closest was Jonathan Taylor at 7.7, then Darrell Henderson at 8.5, and then um, Delvin Cook at 8.75. And then it's the next year, which is Joe Mixon at 11.75. That was an average around two in all of those metrics. So we've discussed before that, like, I've been trying to think about football in different ways for a while. And this is a drum I've been beating for probably about six or seven years, and nobody's really taken it up on it. And I think some team like Green Bay would have the perfect opportunity to do this um, with the two backs that they're going to now feature. But I don't understand why teams don't basically um, do the Jim Taylor Paul Horning of old. Like, we get so many recycled ideas like the fucking Wildcat. Like, why don't you have two backs on the field at the same time? You get one that has versatility and is a speedy guy, uh, can split out, then plays in the slot, but then you can keep him on the field for these up-tempo offenses. And then you have your short yardage power back, and you can hand the ball off to either of them at any given time. You're, like, talking, you're talking about that Port Edwards offense when Jason Mack were in the backfield, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, no... I know that that sounds no. Dumb, I get what you're but, saying though, because but like one if was a you paid guy and okay, let let's say for example the the prototypical um, version of this would be like if Derrick Henry could really block for Christian McCaffrey, like that would make the most sense. But like you get those two on the field together, how many offenses are going to be able to stop you? Because you don't know whether McCaffrey is going to be splitting out. You can motion him out of the backfield. Um, you can have uh, Henry block for him, or you can have him taking short yardage, five yard bursts. Uh, I, I think it's a better version of um, some of these like read option offenses and where you can use multiple option sets, but without uh, endangering your quarterback. But uh, no team's really willing to run that. Now, uh, the only reason I mentioned this whole thing is, is I think you need to have at least two backs they're potentially productive, and I like that Buffalo took him as an insurance policy. But the thing I'll say is I was on the phone with my dad when they took him. It, it is an absolute handcuff for uh, Devin Singletary in Dynasty. Like, Yeah, you got to have him. You have to have Zach Moss if you have Devin Singletary. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, 100%. Yep. Yep. And that's where his value is going to come in. Like, yep. I don't think he's going to be a top five running back in the no. first round, but where my dad's no. picking, so I think he's either like seven or eight, like he's got to take him. Yep. Like that's got to be his first round pick. He should just lock it in right now. And frankly, we're giving away the game for our mock draft. I, I mean, you, I, like I said, I loved Zach Moss and I hate, I wish he would have been in a spot like say Tampa Bay or something like that where, okay, 
he's going to be the guy now. But for sure, like it's going to be a little bit of thunder. It's going to be a little bit of lightning now with the Buffalo Bills. And um, you're going to want to have the other one once the other one, if one goes down, because that other one is mm-hmm. going to get that work. They're going to get that work. Um, uh, absolutely. So, so, I mean, speaking of Tampa Bay, too, and then you got Kishon, or Kishon Vaughn. Um, do you think it Ronald Jones time is up in Tampa Bay or you think that's going to be a running back? I think he'll be on the roster, but Vaughn is going to end up being the primary ball carrier. I think it's more effective on uh, Peyton Barber. Yeah. That's crazy to me because Ronald Jones, I think had a really productive year last year. He was on my team for a little bit and then I ended up trading him to Aaron and, um, I need to look up his numbers, but I know, um, I was like thinking, I was like, wow, this He's doing really well. Like, I think production is going to go up even as the years go on. And I thought he was going to be a solid back around the lines of like a Marlon Mack or something like that. Uh, well, I mean, except Marlon Mack doesn't have the receiving value. Well, what Ronald Jones's value to me always was is that he was going to be a decent receiving back. And I think he still could be. Uh, he's also going to have um, uh, a bit ahead on. Uh, Vaughn in a few different areas like receiving and pass down plays and um, uh, pass blocking in the league that that's not. I think Peyton Barber is basically droppable at this point. Yeah, absolutely. But I I do like the opportunity. And frankly, I have Vaughn ahead of like Zach Moss um, where where those rankings will shake out yet. Um, So like but I, I, I do like his opportunity and being in a potentially highly productive offense where. Um, he doesn't even need to be like a great, um, player, but like everybody's going to be focusing on the pass game. You've got, uh, Grant now and OJ Howard yet, although there's talk. They got to get rid of him. Great. And, um, Evans and Godwin and all of this other stuff. So, um, it's just going to be more of a question of, uh, where, how many touches is he going to get? And I, I think last he ends up year, getting more touches than Ronald Jones this year. Last year, Ronald Jones had 172 carries for 725 yards, six touchdowns, 31 catches for 300 yards. So, yeah. I mean, he had a he had a productive year where I thought, okay, it's another year you can build off of him. But um, it'll be interesting to see how Vaughn and him um, split time. Like, I don't I don't necessarily go out of my way to drop ronald jones or think that he's done because no. i still think he has more value than peyton barber i just um i i think that vaughn probably uh ends up by the end of the year having more carries that's just me well let's talk about how the steelers just took a running back not named Eno Eno benjamin they took oh, anthony they took... mcfarlane so like I like McFarland. I can't believe Eno. I can't believe Eno is still out there though. I can't either. Like I, I was really high on him too. Yeah, me but too. But then again, I was really high on um, Darrington Evans, and that's one where people might. Um, that that's a sleeper. That I know he's uh, being drafted behind Derrick Henry, but like Derrick Henry took 400 carries last year. Like how many? There, there is a steep drop off between a guy having 400 carries in a season and being done like two years later, like Sean Alexander, Larry Johnson, um, Chris Johnson, Marion, Marion Barber. So like, that's one where, uh, I think you, you could take him and you sit on him and he ends up having some supreme value for what the Titans want to run. Like 
next year. So it's not going to be one that's going to be productive. You're going to be tempted to drop him for that, but like that that's one. Now, here's the big one for me. Aaron Jones is going to be drafted as a top 10 pick. Everybody's going to keep him. His value plummets to me. I don't think he's a top 15 back. I don't want to believe that. Well, I can see it, but I don't want to he's, believe it. He's going to be a highly productive and efficient back. But what was um, Aaron Jones's biggest calling card last year? That he got a lot more volume because Jamal Williams was hurt, and he got all the goal line carries. He got all the goal line work. And all the I goal can't line see work. him getting all of the goal line work no. with a power not back that's six foot with, 248. No. Yeah. Who can, AJ Dillon is a beast. Like, like yeah, he runs foot, through guys. Yeah. Runs he, a 5'4", 40. 41 like, inch vert. The way AJ Dillon monsters. runs, he runs to me like Marshawn Lynch used to. I yeah. want to put a, a knee in someone's face. Like, I'm going to put my cleats on your chest and run through you. But, yeah. so, like, if... If you had average touchdown regression, Aaron Jones was not going to be a top 10 back, even with the receiving value. And I love the the opportunity that it gives Green Bay where, like, you keep Aaron Jones's carries down, you keep him healthy. If you make the playoffs, like, he's going to be fresh. You have a thunder and lightning type situation. But his fantasy value is going to crater. I, I just, I don't see him getting uh, double-digit touchdowns next year. I don't well, see him... Just- Having he, like, like, just all of a sudden got in himself into a committee. That's exactly. essentially what happened. Like, he was a feature back, and now he's essentially in a committee. I feel A.J. Dillon's going to get a lot more touches than we believe he's going to. Um, I think I he's immediately the number two guy. I think I Jamal Williams falls away. to number three. I am running away from Aaron Jones as fast as possible for fantasy value. Mm-hmm. Because in two years, he's not even going to be a Packer anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it yeah, wouldn't I... make sense to, like, keep all of those guys around. So, it, it, I just, okay. Yeah. But, interesting, interesting. Um, we basically went through most of the... Yeah, I don't want to focus on tight ends. Like, the Packers took one who, to me, projects as, like, the next Kyle Juszczyk. Yeah. And the Patriots took two who, why they traded up to get uh, what they did makes no sense to me. But, you know, whatever. It's the Patriots. They seem to think they're smarter than everybody else. Um, The one I'm interested in is Harrison Bryant going to Cleveland. Like, you just paid a shit They need of another tight end? <laughs> what the fuck? The one I really <laughs> love, though, is um, uh, Aqua... Uh, God, I'll, I'll butcher this name, but Albert Aquabunum um, from Missouri, who was actually a really productive uh, college tight end. Uh, Why going did Broncos to Denver. take another one? I just, you know, I just so, uh, we're going to be back here... Um, Probably uh, in a few days to do our um, rankings and then move into our quick mock draft of everybody. Uh, and you and I are going to be selecting for each other's teams on those draft picks. So I'm sure you're looking forward to that. We will. But 
No. Anyway, all, all right. right. So we'll uh, we'll hit everybody back uh, soon. I gotta check in now that it's been about two weeks since we recorded, but there was some stuff actually happening. So it was good to talk to you, bud. Uh, we'll see you soon. Yes, sir. All right. Have a good one, everybody. And that is your dagger. That's all for this week. And please uh, make sure to rate, subscribe, and review the new podcast on the Tom Duncan Network, as it's currently being called. Um, That'll help everybody else find the podcast and that uh, we continue to help uh, provide you winning opportunities on your fantasy teams, hopefully get you interested in this new type of uh, fantasy football. Uh, Until next time, thanks and have a great evening. Thank you.